in the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children with no memory of parents, unseen by society, without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter, or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda as together we remember the central affirmation God's story is a story of grace. If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Rams. It's good uh, today to, to share in this time with you, to share in the message, a story of grace. Uh, that's about our trip to Rwanda. Uh, we had a mission team go there. They returned with a lot of images we're going to use to really connect grace there, here, our life, uh, our faith, all the ways that grace works within us today, especially around the idea of how grace transforms us each one of us, churches, communities, even the world. So please think with me about that. And we'll say coming into this morning, I'm worried a little bit, uh, we have three things that are happening that sometimes affects attendance. One of those is rain. That usually does some. Uh, spring break, that also does it. And three, we have a time change. All oh, strike one, strike two, strike three. So applaud yourself for being here today. Thank you for coming. Uh, Pastors have uh, a recurring nightmare, most of us do, and these are literal dreams you actually have, dreams that, that you're, things that concern you. One is uh, that it's time to preach and I can't find my Bible. That occasionally happens, usually after too much pizza or spaghetti or something before, but I can't find my Bible. The others, I come in and there's no one here. And we're down, everybody, well, thank you for being here today. <laughs> Story of grace. Uh, I led a, a ski trip to uh, Winter Park, Colorado, the very first one I actually took, leading a team, also my first time skiing as well, not a good way to lead a ski trip. Uh, how many skiers do we have here? Very many of you, a few here that have been skiing and know something about skiing. I, had, I didn't know anything about it. I got all the paraphernalia, uh, which is the ski poles and the skis and the goggles and borrowed an outfit, ready to go. And of course, the first day on the bunny slope, they call it a bunny slope, uh, I fell a hundred times, literally a hundred times. Two things that are hard to do when you're learning to ski. One is learning to turn. The other is stopping. And when you're going down a hill, not a good idea. Uh, and, and toward the end of the first day, I'm going down the hill. I can't stop. And at the bottom of the hill, there is all of our kids down there. Uh, and they see me coming. I see them down there, and I can't stop. I'm gaining, gaining speed all they can do is scream, get out of the way. <laughs> now, the bad part is they're all new skiers, too. They couldn't move. They just <laughs> petrified. And I still remember Gayla Duncan uh, going right over the top of Gayla, left her spot in the snow. Poor Gayla uh, that day on my ski journey. Now, here's the teaching. You just have to learn how to do it. You just have to learn. It took some time. 
number of trips to get beyond the green slope to blue slopes. Finally learned how to ski. I can ski today. don't ski very often anymore, but I, I know how to if I need. I had to learn how to ski. And grace is like that. Grace is like that. The words here talk about grace that God gives. And this simply a gift. God loves us and gives us grace. But we prefer guilt sometimes, I think. I just want to be guiltier. We prefer to think that somehow we have to earn it. We just can't believe that God just gives us his loving, merciful grace like a father to his children. So we have to learn that throughout our life. Learn that repeatedly. That's how God gives himself to us. We also have to learn how to give grace away. We don't know how to do that either. It's not natural. It's natural to be a little bit selfish, a little self-centered, a little self-absorbed. That's typically the human tendency to be like that. And we have to learn how to, how to give grace as well away. It's a learning process in our life to grow into that. In fact, literally moving into the life that, great, that love demands. Moving into the life that love demands is a story of grace. So we're talking about that today in someone who's being transformed especially around this man named John, the Apostle John. And the words you heard read, he wrote. Let me go back, though, a few years, because John lived to be the oldest disciple, we believe, uh, maybe into his 90s, lived toward the end of the, ver- of the first century. Jesus was crucified around 33 A.D., give or take a, a year or two. And this was sometime before that, in the three years that John traveled with Jesus on the earth, And this is what Jesus said about John and his brother James in Mark 3, 16. Jesus appointed 12, Peter, a name he gave Simon, James and John, there's John, Zebedee's sons, who were fishermen, who he nicknamed Boragines, which means sons of thunder. So Jesus simply gave John, a nickname, this guy is a son of thunder. Let me tell you more about John. John, early on, went with some disciples to go into a Samaritan city there to preach as Jesus told them to do. They went and taught some of the things that Jesus had taught them, probably the Beatitudes, love God, love your neighbor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor, things that Jesus taught. They went in that city, and they were rejected by that Samaritan village, and they were really forced to leave. When they got out of the city, John was so angry, he suggested to Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said, Jesus, let's kill them all. Let's have fire brimstone come from heaven and burn them to a crisp. That's what he wanted Jesus to do. Now, I'm going to paraphrase what Jesus said. I don't think so. (laughs) That's not how we do things. You know, instead he said things like we're supposed to forgive. That's what we're supposed to be about, you know. So he said, and, then, and they says they left that area at that point. But so, so we see this, this man really changed a lot. And so here's the first point. Can a thunder and anger life be transformed into a love and grace life? Again, I described what he was like. Now, how did he change? 1 John, 50 years later, uh, you heard Caesar read that. I'm going to read a few more verses of this as well. Here's what it says. Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. This is how God, this is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. 
is not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice that deals with our sins. Where it all begins, where our salvation is experienced, where, where we receive God's gift to you and me, and where that love explodes into the world we live in. And one of the beautiful images that you saw here was an image of images of, uh, of, of Rwanda and celebration and joy and so many things. And I, what I want you to understand and how that seed's been planted to begin a long time ago. Uh, for those that may not be aware, uh, we support 1,000 orphans in Rwanda. We keep doing that, 1,000 here, then another 1,000. We're going to do another 1,000 here real soon. It's a quarter million dollars each time we do that. It'll be $300,000 $300, in our next commitment. So it's a significant commitment we make there. And it changes these lives in just amazing ways. But I want you to know, though, it begins in you and in, in where you've experienced grace in your life. Maybe many years ago, maybe today. If you give to Zoe, if you give to this church, if you're simply present here, you're part of this grace story that God is at work in and through all of us, especially this church. I'm going to show you a video of a, of a, of a wedding shower. And it's a young man who's going to get married very quickly to a Zoe ministry graduate. Been with the program three years, graduated, went from being an orphan and nothing uh, to, to marriage and life and everything there in Rwanda. What, an ex- what, a, what a great story of grace. You're part of the story I want to show you now in the video. So tomorrow I'm having a wedding. My sister was the one who was from Zoe. Me, I was a kid, so I came here. And it was very hard for me to know someone. I didn't even be interested before. But I found this beautiful girl here in Zoe. So I'm asking this girl, beautiful girl, by God's help, we got together. support Zoe, I knew this boy. And I was thinking, how can I going to have a wedding? Thank you so much for your support, for the way you helped him to grow up. So now he's going to get a bride and we're happy to have a wedding. so happy that I met her. So tomorrow I'm having a wedding and I'm going to go before a pastor tomorrow through your support. My name is Nashamaj Venust. My bride is called Nitrihe Clementine. They are really shy. <laughs> I love those images there that you saw of our team who went there and were able to see some of these things take place, that wedding shower. If you, didn't, if you noticed it, they were bringing them baskets, and those are mostly beans, which is a big produce there in Rwanda, one of the staples of food supply there, and giving them a lot of those beans, cutting their, wedding, their marriage off to, on a good foundation. 
It's a story of grace. But I want you to hear again, it began here in your life, wherever you experience grace, in a worship service, in our coming together here, God working in our life, and the gifts that God gives us, the blessing God gives us, the love God gives us, the salvation God gives us, the money God gives us, and, and who we are. And it's simply reflected there in that story that connects us, but it all goes back to how God gives us his love, which is Jesus Christ and the cross he gave his life upon, which is what John tells us in 1 John. So here's the second point. Receiving grace saves us. Giving grace changes us. Certainly believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior, accepting him as our Lord, is a moment of receiving salvation into our life. Whether it's a long process or a short process, a a sentence or, or many years, that's how God works within us. But giving grace is where our life is really changed, where we mature, where we grow, become who God wants us to be. And I know mature churches, I do a lot of church coaching, and I know a mature church. It's not the church that knows the Bible really well, or they all have it memorized. It's the church that are doing things for the kingdom of God the world they live in. Those who progress beyond their own needs and serve their community and their world. That's maturity. Not only for the church, but for each one of us. How we see the world. Because grace, giving, loving, serving, blessing, helping, forgiving, all that this means is where we are changed and transformed by the grace of God we receive first and how God saves us. That's the core of our faith, the core of our life, the core of what being a Christian is, the core of what a follower of Jesus Christ is. And the word really is sanctification. It's, it's growing and changing in a way that, and that's the Bible word, sanctification. And I'll say more about that as I find that word in a moment after I show you some, uh, not just images, but I actually brought this here today. Now, the Zoe program not only uh, educates kids, brings them to faith, uh, helps them, uh, uh, you know, learn about how to take care of themselves and all that goes with that, also often provides land for them, uh, uh, seeds to grow things. They grow crops. They sell the crops. And there are two major crops these Zoe kids do, and it's throughout Rwanda. And one of those crops is avocados. And so I brought something to show you. These avocados are going to be okay. Rhonda and I will eat them when they get ripe, but uh, they were picked way early on the tree. That's how we get them here from wherever they're bought. These these might be from Mexico, California. I didn't look to see. Uh, But they had to be picked early before they were ripe. And they try to make them as ripe as they can. And they're okay, but not as good as right off the tree. How many have had an avocado right off the tree? Anybody here? I have. A few of you have. My wife had two avocado trees growing in her yard when I was dating her when we got married. So I and there is a difference when they're fully ripe, ready to eat. Well, the second thing I brought here today is also a real huge crop in Rwanda. A lot of, a lot of the Zoe kids grow them as well. They're bananas. And I found some small bananas. These are not from Rwanda, but I found some small bananas at Kroger's. And uh, they grow small bananas there, not the really big ones we have here today. And the first banana I had in Rwanda, I thought, that's what a banana is supposed to taste like. They were so sweet and banana tasting and, and so fresh and just like they're, and I realized these are picked green, they're bred to be really big, not these, but the ones that we often eat. This don't have the flavor, uh, but if you take them right off the tree, there is a difference when they're that fresh and that perfectly ripe. Now that leads me to tell you that grace must ripen and mature in our lives. And the word for that is sanctification. They're experiencing God's mercy in our life and love for us and then giving it away to others in multiple ways we do that. It's how we change and grow and mature. 
And many Christians, church members, church people, are not mature. They have not grown in their faith. They have not progressed in experiencing and embracing God's grace, which is connected so clearly to the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the word that God gives us, and the very presence of God in our life. So they deny that work within them by simply not receiving it or not giving it. They think they have to earn it or they're guilty about it or they don't give it away, what God's given them so generously and miss the point of the journey of life. So how can we give God's grace an opportunity to fully ripen in our lives? How can we give God's grace an opportunity to fully ripen in our lives? And the word we're talking about is sanctification. Again, a great Bible word. It's a great Methodist word because we believe in sanctification in our church. Denomination always has. We believe it's a lifelong process. Until we die, uh, we grow and are sanctified if we follow through on how God teaches us. So there are four things I think are critical to this. They're all C's. You can take notes if you'd like on your message page. If you want to take that home with you and think about it some more. First thing we have to do is connect. We have to connect. We have to connect to Jesus Christ. We cannot do it ourselves. We cannot receive grace the way we want to. We cannot live it the way God teaches us to if we don't stay connected. We are not wired that way. We are wired to be selfish, to be independent, to be about us only. We're wired to earn our way, to buy it. That's how we are. So to go beyond that, we have to connect with the one who's different, which is the one God sent us. And the Bible says that's what, he, what God did, and his name is Jesus Christ. To connect with Jesus, accept him as our Savior, to commit to follow him, to stay close through prayer and worship, to come into church, to Bible reading, to stay connected. So if I want to have grace mature in my life, and I've got to stay connected all my life. I can't abandon that or think I did that once and I'm done. So lifelong, every day, every week, every Sunday, process for you and me keeps us on track to that one critical component of being able to mature and grow. And again, I say many Christians don't ever mature in grace, and many churches don't either. Secondly, we must confess. Must confess. And you're probably thinking, confess your sins. Well, yeah. What I'm talking about, though, is different than that. It's more, more like this. It's confessing the truth. Confessing the truth about ourselves, which we don't like to do. We don't like facing the truth about our own life and who we are and who we're not. We must do that. Confess the truth. One thing I really appreciate about Celebrate Recovery, which is on Thursday night, 6.30, for those who might be interested in that, uh, this theme is everybody's recovering from something. When you get up, and you speak in that service, whenever you do whatever you're going to do, you have to say these words, I'm a grateful disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm grateful for what God's given me, and I'm recovering from this, and you have to name it, or name the things, if it's more than one thing. And, they'll, and they go through a lot of what's called step studies to figure out what that is sometimes. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. And it may be a classic, well, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. It also may be I've got past hurts that have damaged me, or I have anger issues, or I struggle with this or that, or I'm, I'm, I'm codependent, or they have, and they have to name what that, they have to face that truth, and then recovery begins. Do you know what it is? You can't be made whole from it. You can't have grace really in the place to address that. So we have to confess the truth about ourselves, and then grace nourishes, feeds and encourages growth. We ripen as the people of God, and we change. And we should change every year of our life 
If we grow, I know it may be up and down, but that should be a steady progress in our life. Confess. Thirdly, we have to care. We have to care. Can that confess care? And care is love, which is what John's talking about. Love and compassion. To move beyond self-centered nature that we are to a Christ-centered, which is an other-centered way of living and thinking about our life. It is, it's a lot of change for most of us. We live in a very self-centered world, you know that, very centered on each one of us. And so to go beyond that, we have to really allow God to work in our life, to become different than we would normally be. And that's about beginning to love, to begin moving in that life that love demands, as I begin today talking about, and living that kind of way. You know, I, uh, I'm from a history where I, I know that Christians in the past especially would say, I'm a great Christian because I read the Bible a lot or I go to lots of Bible studies. And the, the three Bible studies a week, I'm the best Christian there is. No, no. It's loving God and loving other people is what Jesus said. That's what a Christian is. And the Bible is a resource for that. It funds that, fuels that, drives that, teaches us that. But that's what God calls us to be. We don't ripen until we learn, hey, it's about loving other people. Giving grace to other people, whether it be that grace we give as a church to Africa, Rwanda, or to our spouse, or to our kids or our parents, or our brothers and sisters, or our friends, or our other church members, or the preacher. That's how we live that way. Number four, uh, it's complete, which is follow through. This is where I see people fail the most. In fact, Pastor David and I did a series a while back about the follow through. So that is the greatest need that people have, the inability or unwillingness to follow through on their Christian commitments, to go for a while and say, well, I still don't feel any better, or I'm not as happy as I thought I would be, or didn't turn out like I wanted, or it's too hard, whatever reason, and not following through on this. And we have to mature, and that takes time. We're in a have-to-happen-right-away world, have-to-happen-now world, a very immediate world, and it's hard for us, really, to grapple with the idea that God works a lifetime within us. So after six months or a year or two, ah, I didn't go like I want, we sometimes abandon ship. When maturity takes far longer than that, it's a lifelong process for you and me. We have to follow through. Uh, we have to keep that faith. We have to hang in there. We have to keep on. And we have to keep trying and putting effort there. You know, John went into a city and he preached the good news and they didn't respond. Let's, let's burn them up. You know, let's get rid of them. You know, uh, he was very immediate about that. Later on, he says, no, that's not how we roll anymore. And he loved the world that he gave. He became a pastor in Ephesus. And we believe that he was sacrificed. He gave his life in the end for the faith that he professed in the giving of his own life. And he did that. We must complete that. So going back to the, the ski trip analogy, that just had to learn how to do it. Learn how to experience, how to get out there, put the skis on, uh, and keep working at it till finally I could go down the hill, finally turn, finally get off the lift, finally be able to stop when I needed to. You know, all those things that took place to make skiing more enjoyable. Christian life is so rewarding. has so many blessings. We learn how to live it. And that includes receiving grace. It includes living that grace out. We've got to stay connected to Jesus Christ or we will never, ever be able to experience the full maturity God has and wants for each one of us. We have to confess the truth. God, here's my truth. Here's what I need. Here's where I'm limited. Here's where I fall short. Here's where I struggle. Here's where my failures are. Here's where my sins are. Here's where my addictions are. God, give me grace in my life as we confess. We must learn to care. 
must learn in our life to love other people like we want to be loved ourselves. The core basic teaching of Christian faith is just that. To give as we receive, to be treated others like we want to be treated, to love God and love your neighbor, which is called the greatest commandment. Simple teaching that we have here. Must give care and must complete. We cannot give up. We cannot give up. And slowly we begin to sing, there's where those rewards are seen. And one of the great rewards we have as a church is we got to sit here in church today and see a video and, and see a, an African couple about to get married. See joy, celebration, smiles, and a life they would never have had without the grace that you experience here. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words you give us, for the image that we have seen, for the grace we experienced in the past and even now, and the grace we might give. Well, we have to admit that we're not quite mature yet. We still have some ripening processes in our lives to, to be done. Somewhere in the beginning of this, somewhere near the end, but somewhere we're not quite there yet, God. And so we invite you to work in our life in such a way that your grace is made real to others as it's made first real to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.